You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This is Caroline Kay from carolinekay.co and you're listening to Snippets of Genius. If you're a client, show guest, weekly listener or friend of mine, welcome back. If you're new to the show, it's great to have you here and I hope that this is exactly the inspiration you've been needing to become the person you most want to be. Each episode is your reminder that anything is possible. I speak with the world's most impressive leaders, entrepreneurs, and innovators to share their stories from the big lessons to the unbelievable moments of taking their ideas global. Our conversations are your guide to burst your next opportunity wide open. And I am delighted today to be joined by the one and only Bruno Vitelli. He is joining me and to share with us his whistle-stop tour of the world, doing creative work with some of the biggest brands, but not only doing this high profile international work, he's winning awards globally. He's doing this for brands such as Diesel, Heineken, Barilla, Mercedes, the list goes on. But not only that, he has become one of the most awarded people all over the world. Bruno creates creative globally for publicists worldwide and publicists group. And as part of the executive committee, he's also the person that invented this amazing new concept of a brand new agency called Le Pub in Amsterdam. I can't wait to get started and dig into all the things he's been doing, the big issues with creativity today, and very much how we can find out how to become one of the superstars in the creative world, just like Bruno. Bruno, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Talk us through a little bit about your journey. I mentioned a few snippets there, but just tell us how you got started in the creative world. So the, the the way I started is quite funny. I had nothing to do with advertising. I I used to work as a geo for Club Med. So and as I was a, a diving instructor, wow. and I was traveling uh, all around the world. I used to work in Bali Island, Maldives, and so on. Oh. And then I met a copywriter who yeah. won actually an award, and the award and the award that the, that he won the prize uh, was a travel all around the world. So I thought, oh, maybe that could be quite interesting because of the work in advertising. And this is the way I got interested in that. Wow. And then I, 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 let's say I started. Also, I wanted to write for a cinema. Okay. So I went to New York, not only to work for the Madison Avenue agencies, but also to, to study cinema, screenwriting. I went to, do, to the New York University. But then they told me that that was not good enough for cinema. Ooh. So better to oh, move to advertising. That's a very harsh thing to hear. I <laughs> <laughs> was just in your sort of teenage years, no, early no. 20s, I imagine, and to be told you're not good enough. <laughs> that's, that's very challenging to hear. No, How no, do you no, bounce I'm, back from that? I'm, 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 I'm a bit joking. No, the, the point is, if, if you really want to get a high level uh, in screenwriting, mm-hmm. you need to know the language very, you know, in all okay. the slangs, the nuances and so on. 
okay. and obviously not being a mother tongue was quite difficult. Sure. And at that time, you know, they, they say trendy screenplays were like the Tarantino ones with a lot right. of, you know, yes. slangs uh, and so on. Uh-huh. So that was, uh, they, they told me, Cockney. maybe advertising. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. But then I got interested in advertising and, and I started there. Okay. And advertising, copywriting, tell us a little bit about that. Can you tell me one of your favorite pieces? What's most memorable for you? I mean, I had a, I had a very good creative director who told me to have always a point of reference, always to look up to someone while I'm working. And at that time, my inspiration was Tom McElligot. I don't know if you, if you know him, no. but he, he wrote all these lines about Porsche. Okay. Uh, and there was like fantastic campaigns. And I started basically learning all the techniques about, about copywriting from him and looking at his work. And then I move on, you know, having other inspirations, also some, some very good coaches and, and so on. But those campaigns for Porsche are still uh, the ones that stick to my mind for the tone of voice, for the subtlety and, and so on. Fantastic. And you talked a bit about mentors and inspiration there. And did that continue? Did you continue to have mentors as you've progressed through your career? In a way, yes. In, in a way, yes. But also maybe in other fields. So creative directors, but also, for example, a big mentor for me was also an international CFO. So I also started to learn uh, management skills, business, how to do, how to, you know, to, to win numbers and so on. One of the reasons why I'm still in, in this position is because I know how to talk to CFOs. I know how to actually to read commitments and, and, and so on. And I think today for a, a creative director, having a bit of a knowledge on the business side is very, very important. Not yeah. only to be able actually to discuss with clients, to understand their issues, their problems, but also internally mm-hmm. to be able to build business plans, to know how to structure you know, agencies and so on. So the business aspect is quite important. In the past, uh, uh, you know, being naive and being just on the creative side was a kind of a, a, a value. Today, I think you need to be very, very well aware and capable of, of building business success cases. If you look agencies today, because of the transformation model, because of what's happening, because of the changes, they're always a kind of startup models. Okay. So, you know, when a, cre- when a creative director actually takes uh, the lead on a new agency, it's always a kind of startup. So it's not just about rethinking the creative department. It's about rethinking the model. It's about rethinking, you know, the way of working, the process, and so on. So, Bruno, tell us a little yeah. bit about what you mean by this transformational ways of working, these different structures. I imagine that this is going to help us build into the conversation around the pub and what that means, but I'd be really keen to understand what you mean by transformation. Yes. So there are two elements. Today, you know, a good strategy on its own is not enough to be relevant in people's mind or in people's life. Uh, So being topical, being connected to culture, being connected to, you know, what's happening outside is quite important. And, and you know, the long debate that has been going on for at least in the last five years is about how data can help creativity. If there is a way for data actually to be combined and to, to interact or, you know, to find solution or possible angles for creativity. Everybody's claiming is doing it, but it's still a question mark for everybody. So the whole point is how to get quality data 
and try to understand how this can infect or can read possible consumer changes or new trends or something that actually can be useful to brief creativity. The reality is because also of the media agencies model, data in reality are used more to optimize creativity, more than inspire creativity at the beginning of the process. And this is what I try to do with with LePub. So there is a difference between efficient and being effective. At the moment, data are used more in the efficient way. So for example, I don't know, I produce three contents, I put it, I put it on, on, on the internet, and then, you know, with data, I see which one of the three is more, you know, efficient, which one works better, and how to adjust it to, to make it even more efficient. Data, in reality, can be useful also to brief creativity at the beginning of the process, not, you know, when, when, when creativity has already started. That's the main, the, main, the main concept. Can you give me that, an example of that in motion for one of your clients where you've taken some of those insights, the data points to inform how the creative guys sure. get to work? I, I give an example. You know, during the COVID, uh, during the lockdown, uh, a lot of uh, consumer behavior changed. So, for example, think about uh, the way you know, we change uh, having breakfast. Not, not in the rush anymore, but at home, you know, maybe with the family and so on. So a lot of things have changed, consumer attitudes and behavior, you know, during the lockdown. Mm-hmm. One thing that uh, we noticed uh, using data, one of my clients is Barilla, pasta. You remember during the lockdown, a lot of people started actually cooking cakes or making pasta. And what we noticed, especially in the U.S., is that people uh, not being very used to cook pasta started cooking pasta. Okay. And there was an issue about the timing, the you know, the minutes, how many minutes pasta should stay in the water, people forgetting about it and so on. So we captured that with the, with the data. We saw a trend that was happening and was becoming b- bigger and bigger. Then we check it was only US, but also in the other markets, in a lot of other markets, Italy included, there was this issue. We went really? down. In Italy, we analyzed... Bruno, I have to stop you there. We're going to have a lot of Italian listeners going, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> But 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 I I, I I tell you the point because your people were at home, mm-hmm. so the while waiting for the pasta to be to be to be ready, what they were doing they were actually just getting entertained with YouTube, with Spotify and so on. So because of that we thought okay maybe the problem can be the solution. So we did a partnership with Spotify and we created a playlist with the ta- exactly the, the, the right timing for the pasta to be cooked in order oh, that you I know exactly it. when. <laughs> yeah. and, that, and that was a very su- successful campaign. But again, based on data, based on this consumer behavior. Yeah, that makes so much sense how easily we can be distracted when we've got more of the family around us at home, <laughs> young ones, etc. Okay, interesting. And tell us a little bit about sort of developing this transformation. So you're bringing new innovation into the agency world. And how did that sort of inform building LaPub? Why did it need to be a new agency, I suppose? Why couldn't it just be sort of brought into one of your established agencies around the world? Uh, yes, but uh, what, 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 we, what we're trying to do now is really to have uh, this uh, data approach. So starting from data as a, you know, as a system. So all the offices uh, that we are opening around the world uh, will have this uh, this methodology. What we do, what what I'm doing is because at the moment LePub 
is is made of six uh, offices so one in brazil one in mexico one in amsterdam uh, one in italy one in south africa and one in singapore but the, the idea is really to help international brands or global brands uh, to be able to have like a global approach global strategies but then uh, to localize it in a relevant way in the markets so that's why for example we have an agency in uh, singapore actually to oversee apac one agency in in south africa to oversee africa in this way you know big clients like heineken barilla and so on we will be able to have global approaches but with local relevances fantastic and how do those teams make it relevant to their local markets is it layering more data on top yes it's it's trying to add the data on local insights so how to bring, you know the the, the the global strategy has to be more focusing on the brand positioning, let's say. So not considering uh, consumer needs, uh, consumer relevances and so on. And then we find insights, especially connected to the moment of consumption, you know, the, when when is about to approach the product and so on, trying to find some, some relevances to actually to, to, to bring to life the, the strategy. Fantastic. And I really love that there's this innovative approach and you're looking at the local markets to actually fine tune this global approach to the relevance for the market. But how do you empower your team to be those future leaders, to be innovative, to take risks, to be bold as you've been doing for so many years? Again, it's, it's, it's all about, you know, in, in uh, what, what, I, what I learned, especially when you talk to creative people, is stressing the problem and not a possible solution. So okay. if you share the issue, if you share the problem, immediately you give them the responsibility. You share actually what, what you know, you're not giving them any direction already. So the whole point is, okay, this is the issue. Maybe, you know, there's a different angle to have a look at it, but please help me solve it. And this is a way to empower people actually to be part of and to feel empowered and leveraging actually their, their work. Great. So when they're receiving that global approach coming from the, the top level, so this is the overarching campaign or strategy yeah. and creative direction, do you say you're stressing that problem still as a focus for them? So this is, but you're kind of giving them the solution at the same time or have I misunderstood? How do they have that duality? No, no. I, 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 ju I just show, you know, what the, what the brand wants to achieve with this positioning. Okay. And, and their ambition, especially KPIs, how the brand wants to be relevant in culture. It's more objective. Okay. And then I leave it to them, the way to bring it to life. <clears throat> I'll, give you an, I'll give you an example, a practical example. <clears throat> Heineken is all about being open-minded. So one of the key values of the brand is open-mindedness. But for example, in, in Asia, you know, the open-mindedness has a different meaning and it's difficult actually to see it the way we see it in the Western world. So the way to translate the open-minded, that positioning is much more about the inventiveness of the brand. And people appreciate much, you know, much more inventive brand than a brand that tried to, to be a little bit preachy and tell you, you know, mm. to not to be narrow-minded or, or so on. So I don't know, for example, if you've seen what we did with the Heineken sneakers, so the sneakers with the beer inside, eh? It was a way actually to bring to life a global positioning. Basically, our, our, our sneakers with, with a layer of beer inside because the beer the, is, is, is called silver and it's surprisingly smooth. So to play this smoothness, 
actually, you know, having like a layers in the shoes to make actually the walking even smoother. And it was a big, big success because it was kind of an unexpected for a beer brand to do something like that. But as I said, if you look, you know, the open-minded position is brought to life in APAC in a very different way, in a relevant way, actually, for, for the market. Oh, I love it. And so tell me a little bit more about how you're developing an innovation culture in your company. Again, this is this is a very interesting question. So in, in the agency, so in this uh, LePub structure, we a branch, we're opening a branch which is called the Le Garage, which is really dedicated to innovation. The point is that innovation in most of the marketing plans is a little bit nice to have think. So what's important is to make innovation be part of the global strategy and be part of very precise KPIs, which can be also including conversions or reputation or so on. So in the past, what has always seen quite difficult is that, you know, a lot of innovation idea, but now a little bit more proactive from agencies. I don't want to say to win awards, but, you know, but to propose it to the client to create some fame not with very strong KPIs. My point is innovation is fantastic. It's one of the, you know, the key elements, but has to be included in clear KPIs. In that sense, also the client will look at the innovation, not only a nice idea, but mm-hmm. something actually that can change their business. Can you give us another example? I will give it to you. I, will, I just wanted to mention, for example, as an example, Nike. If you think about, you know, products like Nike, the Fuel Band or Nike Plus, were innovation idea, but scaled on a business level. Most of the innovation ideas have remained quite small, like prototypes. The, the whole point is about making them a business success. One thing that we did for Heineken, we created, talking about relevancy and data, we saw that one of the big issues of having a beer, you know, like a social life, is work-life balance. Yes. You know that after the lockdown, everybody has to face, you know, a way actually when it's about stopping, stopping working. So what we did, we created this bottle opener that basically when you open the, 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 the beer, it shuts down all your, your work devices. I saw this campaign. I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> Can you make it real? <laughs> it is real. It is real. So, so the, the, the innovation idea, if you look, you know, it was not a small idea. But it was a business transformation model, and then actually was scaled. It started in the US, but then I think now it's something like forty-seven markets that they they bought into into this idea. And then we created all the ecosystem around it, so communication, assets, and so on. But the initial the initial idea was 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 innovation, an innovation piece. So when you say it's real, do you mean I can buy a bottle opener and I can open my beer and it will shut down my office? <laughs> yes, yes. It's because it's, uh, it's connected with the Bluetooth. Obviously, you, you need to link it with your computer. But yes, every time you open, uh, you open the beer, it shuts down uh, your computer and also your, your iPhone. Oh, this sounds then, like a then magical you can, you can, thing. It doesn't, yeah, it, it doesn't erase all, all what you, all what you don't. So there's no worry. So if you, if you, if you actually, if you switch it on again, everything is there. So don't worry about that. So have you actually made these these bottle openers and you're selling those in the countries as an extension of their product portfolio? Is that right? Yes, we 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 decided not to sell it, but to to give to give it to influencer. Or you know, yeah, to as a as a gift it was more like a gift. But yes, it's it's a real product. 
Wow. And we used what was interesting to launch it in US. We launched the YouTuber that normally were used actually to to launch the new iPhones and new technology. So we used like all the technological assets to launch this this technology to kill technology in reality. Wow, I love it. Technology to kill technology. We all need one of those. I think it's so interesting that you're coming up with these ideas and 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 like helping brands to really think outside the box in a different way than they've done before, thinking out of their own product range into new technologies. It's really exciting. I'd I'd really like to dig in now to sort of where you've maybe come up against some challenges with trying to push the envelope a bit further, with taking brands on this journey to step outside of their comfort zone, because that's what you're talking about, really. It's let's do something really big, really innovative, that is going to deliver to the business, but there's always going to be some fear around that. So could you tell us how you've overcome some of those challenges or talk us through a challenge you've had? This is a very interesting question. I think today, you know, there are very few brands that have been their positioning being brave or challenging, let's say. So, for example, diesel, but because it's it's in the fashion industry as mm-hmm. that. In general, I think today it's much more about how to be innovative how to be different than challenging or disruptive or, you know, or let's say brave in, in, a, in a traditional way. So to me, what I always do when I talk to clients, when I, when I see at the, at the business KPIs, I always try to separate two, two elements. One is reputation and the second one is a conversion. And, you know, and to me, there should be nothing else in between. So, for example, campaigns that have awareness as an objective are pointless today. Most of, you know, most of the brands have no problems in terms of awareness. You need to be much more specific if you want to be about reputation. In that case, the PR part is very important today. Mm-hmm. How to activate PR in a, you know, in a contemporary way, influencer, creators, so using the platforms or whatsoever, or conversion. The big challenge in the next two years, for sure, will be about selling. You know, if you see inflation, the, 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 all the cost of materials and so on, all the brands will be facing this as a big, big issue. So today, you know, for advertising agency, it will be much more about how to create, you know, reputation and so on, but also thinking about the conversion. Conversion will be the key, the key KPI today. And what do you do when you're challenged by or restricted, should I say, by your creative briefs or by the by the client? How are you overcoming some of those restrictions or fears? Well, one of the things that we do, and this is the most difficult part, is we try to use data to challenge the briefs themselves. Okay. So most most of the time, most of the client, the time, marketing departments not only see the issue, and sometimes it's the, the, the issue that they want to see it, but also they try also to come up with the solution. And the brief that the agencies receive already have the solution in the brief itself. And today, I think it's quite important, you know, to be consultant mm-hmm. and to try to challenge this possible solution. Because you say, okay, maybe maybe this is one of the solutions, or maybe it's not. Maybe there is another angle. So challenging briefs is a, is a key role for agencies. But you, you can only do that only when you have a very good relationship with the with the with the, with your marketing or you know with the, with your client so the consultancy role is quite is quite clear that's fantastic i'm really interested to know that is there any client or 
project that you could talk about that you've really been on that journey with where you've sort of helped to challenge them to think differently and and how you've taken them to become award-winning and and get to those great creative accolades that you've secured over the years? I I think the most interesting project in this sense are the ones on product innovation. When a brand or a company is launching a new product, because that, you know, the canvas is completely empty. In that sense, it's like, okay, what do we do? And it's all, it's all about the trying to go by attempts. One of the, the, the success that we had was on Heineken 00, the, the zero alcohol campaign. But it was a, a success after two or three big failures. Oh. And, 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 and you, 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 you know, it was a luxury for us actually to, to be able actually to fail and then to keep trying. And it's not quite uh, quite open, so I, I'm pro- quite kind of proud of, the, of that case study because you know it, it, it went it, we went on by at, at attempts. Okay, fantastic. So there's this ability to fail. That mentality is that starting to shift across your client base now, giving you the freedom to fail fast and start again, which is a very startup mentality. Yes, yes. I, th- I think um, in the what I see also in the marketing department now, a lot of people coming from startups. Are being hired so this mentality is becoming more and more common which is a great thing yeah absolutely and so what are three big lessons you can share for future leaders expanding globally well, one thing for sure is, uh, is transparency so share your vision because most of the time we keep it for ourselves and sometimes we are not even clear about what we want ourselves so sharing with others is also a way to clear yourself what you want so transparency to me is the first the first ingredient for sure and that that also helps you defining your goals or for example what success means most of the time you know we don't even know what would be you know what 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 how to measure the success of the failure and and the, the the second thing is make sure that the people around you the people that you select are empowered not just to follow what you do, but also to challenge you to, you know, to do, to, to, to do their job in order that actually that probably they're most of the time they're even better thinking that, that you are. And that's the reason why you selected them. Yeah, so absolutely. Let, 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 let them do their job. Fantastic. The second one and the third element I, I told you, but this is more for a, like a creative person is to be able to speak, you know, very different languages, like for example, the business language, or yes. you know, when we when you talk about when it's about money, when it's about reading commitments, when it's about understanding the business plans, you know, you need to be aware of what you know of what you're talking about or what someone else is talking about. Otherwise, it will never it will never be possible to be successful in what you do. Fantastic. Do you support your current? business leaders within your different agencies to learn that business language sort of how do you get them up to speed with that i'm trying i'm trying i'm already selecting all the all the creative directors i'm selecting yes they have a little bit of this this capability but my job is really in that direction much more than to teach them creativity because for example they're fresher they're younger than me and they know much much better than me what what can be updated or interesting nowadays the business aspect yes is what i'm trying to to teach them 
Fantastic. And what old practices do you think people in business need to shift away from to achieve success? What are the things we need to forget that we've learned over the years in the creative world? I mean, it's quite easy to say, you know, challenge the, the old way. And so for sure, having this startup mentality is quite important. So, you know, a startup, what's interesting about a start, startups that they don't know the process yet. Mm-hmm. What they know is to create assets, you know, divisions, and to have always someone in charge of the division. So you know that, you know, someone is in charge of the innovation division. Someone is in charge of the data one. So having like key people in charge of different assets to create a team, that is the key thing. And sometimes, sometimes it's a given. So it's more like horizontal structure than, than pyramid structure. Okay. You know, yeah. even if you, are the, if you are the CEO, it doesn't matter. You should create like an horizontal system where you are part one of the elements of them. Yeah, that makes sense. They did talk about the hierarchies being broken down many years ago and getting to this more flat structure like you're talking about. I would imagine that most agencies have moved to that now. Do you still find that they, they haven't? A lot of agencies claim that. Uh, probably the, the small shops, the independent agency, are a little bit, have a little bit more freedom to do so. To me, you know, if I have to say my ambition with Lepaba would be to create the modern version of Droga 5. What Droga 5 did 15 years ago, it was completely different, was completely fresh. And that would be the, the objective for me. And I always look at the other agencies' model. For example, GAT is quite interesting. I like a lot an agency in New York, which is called We Believe. Okay. And they really do good, good, good work. So I always try to see, you know interesting uh, new models coming up and try to copy it. Fantastic. I think it's the right idea when somebody's already done the test and learn, found what works. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Rinse and repeat. I agree. And so just a few questions for you now in terms of what's what's both challenging and exciting for you right now. The, the challenging part uh, is understanding what, because it's, it's quite easy to, to understand what can be the, the successful the, the successful agency, let's say in the next two years. As I told you, you know, this data thing and so on. The difficult challenge is to figure out what be the successful agency in 10 years' time. That's the point. And, and you know, it's, everybody, loves, everybody loves to change. And the point is also agency and structure need stability. Yeah. So you cannot keep changing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, to and, be building and, to something. And e- <laughs> exactly. And, and if you look, you know, today there is, there is a lot of mobility a lot of people resigning, a lot of people changing their job. So there's a lot of flexibility and changes in the model itself. So try to imagine, you're changing people, at the same time you're changing the model. Yeah. There's a risk actually to Chaos. get lost. Yes. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. So, so it's, it's more about trying to figure out what would be the, would be the, the, the model in 10 years' time. Mm. You know that, that you don't do it step by step. You try to do like a, like a kind of radical change, but for something that, that will stay. Can you share with us your vision for the model? Uh, I cannot tell you yet. I'm I'm working on it. Working on it. (laughs) I've always been working on global brands, international brands. What's interesting for me is to, you know, if you look, the models, it's always like a ping pong thing, up and down, between being very, very global, then local, also like brands like Coke or Nike. They go from being very global, 
then localized, more local than global again. I think now this model, whether, whether you have the global positioning, let's say, you know, that should not change, and then a way to activate and to localize it, but in a relevant and big way. Now, sometimes when you try to localize a global campaign, it goes very small. Mm-hmm. I think you need to find a way to scale it, even if it's local. I'll give you an example. For example, I'm quite impressed by the way Nike is doing campaigns only for India, but they look like global campaigns with the right tone of voice, with the, you know, with the right inspiration and so on, but much more relevant. So this balance, I think, is, is the future. And I think there's something nice there that you mentioned about there's this change in people. There's very much people are leaving jobs at the moment. They're working all the hours. People haven't really found their rhythm after the pandemic. So is there anything you're putting in place to help people to find their balance, to get into this model that's building towards that future where you're being able to deliver the way you want? Yes. So there's one thing I really believe in, in working together and sometimes also in physical presence. So I'm, I'm a big supporter, obviously, of, of the um, working from home. The thing is, sometimes the risk is to remain quite superficial because you see you pass from one meeting to another one and it's more about, okay, I have one hour just to focus on data. Yeah. On a Teams meeting, uh, it's really good because you can get updated, you don't need to take flights and so on. But the risk is to sometimes to remain quite superficial. Mm-hmm. So what I'm trying to do is to create like small teams where people can decide themselves if they have the need to work together, to be physically in presence in the agency and so on. So it's coming from them. It's not imposed from above. But in this way, again, if you give them the task, if you show them the issue, they will they will find their own way actually to work together. And some point, I really see that people need people need actually to to be physically together, to look each other in the eyes and so on. Yeah, I agree. So important to just have those sparks of inspiration together just in the moment. And they don't come by being on a Teams meeting, I believe. <laughs> so I'm with you there. Okay, some quick fire round questions for you now, just to understand a bit of your resources, things that inspire you. What are your top go-to resources that have helped you build success? Well, interesting question. I, I watch a lot of TV series now. But not not the long ones, like a maximum seven or eight episodes. And I always try to to understand why they're successful and what's their relevance. So if you if you look at what's interesting about TV series nowadays is like there's a lot of competition, so you have a lot of opportunities. So when a series gets successful, there must there must be always a very precise reason. Ah. You know, Squid Squid Game Squid Game, for example. That was a series out of Korea, so from completely different cultural background and so on. Why was successful? Or, for example, do you remember the Queen's Gambit during the lockdown? Yes, I've now become a keen chess player all over again. (laughs) (laughs) You see? (laughs) So this is is what is quite interesting for me. Because today, again, if I then I have to translate it in the work and in the job that I do, is how to make brand relevant in culture. And I think what's interesting, there's a big shift that I'm trying to explain, but not everybody gets it, is that today for brands, it's not about actually trying to tap into culture or to use assets like, I don't know, cinema, movies, fashion or whatsoever. But brands should become cultural products. 
Okay. In this way, they can be used by culture in the way culture wants. So if you look at what's interesting in this TV series, think about, for example, Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Stranger Things uh, has become, you know, I don't know, a way to, to, to sell clothes, uh, sure. you know, to, to actually to, to go back into the 80s fashion style, yeah, uh, music and so on. <laughs> exactly. So, so Stranger Things is a cultural product. And again, brands today, they can be cultural product and they can be used, expanded, you know, this diversified by, by, the, by different form of culture, art, and, and so on. And this, this is a big shift because it means that you, you need to let your brand go. You don't have control. And you let you need to let people play with 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 your brand as if it was like as I said a cultural product. Wonderful! I love this concept, and already I'm, I'm just I need to have one of those bottle openers that we talked about earlier. It needs to be in my <laughs> life. <laughs> and to tell me a bit about what's the best advice you've ever received? Best advice was my creative director. That it was about always looking back. So it's important to look at to to look ahead, you know, about the future. But always keep in mind what you've done in the past, the mistakes and so on. Because it's so easy to try just to focus on the future. Actually, you know, having a quite a strong consideration of the past, the way you got there, or you know, the brands you work for. So the past, looking back, is quite as important as looking looking ahead. Good advice. And what's one piece of advice you'd give your younger self if you could go back in time? And maybe at that time when you've been told cinema was not for you. I would I would say keep, I would say keep tra- traveling. Tra- traveling is the best way actually to open your mind, to understand culture, to see different type of people and so on. I was very lucky to grow in a work environment in New York. And you know that in, in a New York office, you have people coming from completely different backgrounds. Not everybody has the same luxury, let, let's say. So mm-hmm. traveling today, and because it's much cheaper than, than in the than past, it was, yeah. is that what it was, I think it's a big, big, big thing to do. And Definitely. as soon as you, you have the, the, the chance to do it, do it because it opens your mind. It makes you understand the, the way people think, you know, how actually try to be relevant in their life and so on. So traveling is the most important thing. Great. We've looked back. Now I want to look to the future. Where do you see yourself in the next five years? Good question. It depends on how the next few months will go. I would would say I like consistency. So if you look at my background, I, you know, I didn't change agencies too often. So I, I stayed for almost 12 years in WPP. Now it's 11 years in, in Publicist. I still see uh, myself in Publicist. If I manage actually to build uh, and make this LePub network successful, that would be a big achievement. At the same time, I will, I'm trying to also to keep my job as a Publicist uh, Global Creative Director supervising the creativity and so on. Yes, but I would say next five years uh, is, is still in, in the same position, but a little bit... Uh, less busy let's say okay and and is that is still the creative side as much as we've talked about data and insights and having all of that sort of really strong foundation is the creative part still that excites you and motivates you to do your work or what is For, uh, to me 
uh, what motivates me is really about how to 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 do something that actually resonates in people's life or in the culture. You know, it's so easy for advertising today to be completely relevant, to stay very, to remain very small. Very few campaigns are, are, are become, you know, culture yeah. becomes bigger. So when it happens, it's, it's magic. So the ambition is always to have that chance to go and end up on the, the New, York, New York Times, so on on the, the real news, not just, you know, in, in our small world. <laughs> and I think I have to ask you because I heard you in another interview where you talked about the big idea. Actually, sometimes it wins pitches, but it's not really where you want to be focusing. And I just yeah. sort of with this concept, because what you're talking about to me is the big idea of getting into culture, transforming brands to be part of the fabric of culture in every way. But is that different to what you believe is the big idea? The, what, what, when I say the big idea is like it's a, the media media neutral idea. Okay. So to, today, today one thing is the strategy, but then creativity has to be applied already to the touch points. You know, it, it cannot be media free because then most of the, the the cases. So you have like a beautiful idea on on a you know on on a chart mm-hmm. or on a beautiful manifesto film. Or a mood video, whatsoever. But then, when it gets translated in three seconds, you know, assets, whatsoever, it dilutes the tone of voice, the strength mm. of the idea. So I think what's important today is really actually to have a creatives working directly on the assets. Okay. So the idea has to come from the fact that you're using that particular that particular asset. In that sense, I I said that I don't believe in the big idea. No. So, for example, you know, the best outdoors that you've seen in the last 20 years are made especially because they know that they're using that, that asset. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. Really good advice for the people listening. And if you had, if you're having a bad day and you're not feeling motivated, what's one music track that lights you up and makes you feel you can take on the day? Now it's Billie Eilish. <laughs> Is there a particular track that you love? No, I, I really love her voice. Bad Guy is one of the songs that I always listen to. Fantastic. And where can people find you and connect with you? What's the best place to do that? On a plane now. On a plane. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're traveling I always, a lot at the I, moment. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, tra- I'm traveling a lot, but I'm always reachable at the, at the phone. So if someone writes me on LinkedIn and so on, I always try to reply, so I, I never let things, you know, not because I, I there are I, the best opportunities, also the chance to meet with uh, interesting people, are are just in front of us. So it's quite important for me to do so. That's brilliant. And if you had one ask for the listeners, what would it be? One ask. Uh, I mean. If you're interested in, in what I'm doing with LePub, please you know let me know because there is room. And especially if you're an entrepreneur, if you like startups, if you if you wanna if you wanna see what 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 we were trying to do with 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 pleasure. As I said, we have six offices, so <laughs> knock on my door. <laughs> Wonderful! I'm sure you'll have plenty of people knocking. <laughs> and I think the final thing I wanted to check with you is just if you had to sum up genius. What would genius mean to you? Genius is, to me, is related to simplicity. 
So, you know, but coming from complexity. So simplicity out of simplicity is just banal. But when, you know, you're able to take like a complex thinking or to elaborate and make it simple, but simple enough, you know, that it includes the complexity that you don't show that to me, that that is the, that is genius. Love it. Do you have a campaign or a, a, something that you remember that you you fell in love with because I have to tell the listeners how we connected very quickly because I was joining a really fascinating talk about Italian creativity and they were all sharing their favorite ads from back in the day from when they were very young and because I'm from London and, and I didn't know any of these advertising campaigns in Italy I was so confused and I had to go look them up and one of the ones I looked up was the Maxibon campaign which was really something that made me laugh because of someone learning Italian and finding it so difficult <laughs> to, to understand and to know. But to actually find a campaign was so strong that it actually enabled people to create a new phrase. And this for me in copywriting and, and just genius for everyone to sort of connect with the cultural nuances of the difficulty communicating just made it a fantastic campaign for me. And I just wondered, is there something like like the work that Pietro did who connected me to you? Is there something that just, you know, for you was genius that came in like that? For, for, for example, a, a campaign that to me was talk, talking about England I, because I studied one year in Oxford. Okay. And I was, I, was, I was not working in advertising yet, but I still remember, you remember you, the, You've Been Tangled? Oh, yes. <laughs> who can forget You've Been Tangled? <laughs> Brilliant. That that to that to me was amazing, an amazing campaign, because it's like it's nonsense, but it's not really nonsense. So yeah. it looks like a it's a brand campaign, but it's also a product campaign. To me, that was a fantastic campaign. Yeah, it always reminded me of people with their very strange tans from the summer, whether they didn't get one <laughs> and applied too much fake tan or. <laughs> And we used to say yes. to people when their fake town had not gone well, oh, you've been tangoed. So like you say, <laughs> it really came into that culture. Yes. Bruno, you've been a fantastic guest. It's been such a pleasure to have you on Snippets of Genius. Thank you so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure. And I really hope to see you in person very soon. Likewise. We will meet up in Rome or Milan, I'm sure. Thank you so much, Bruno. I really hope this was an episode that helps you on your journey. So please continue to spread the learnings as you take them from this series. And remember, there is no silver bullet. Opportunities are there for you. So chase your dreams with the knowledge you can do anything you set your mind to. Because anything is possible. Stay curious and enjoy every minute of the journey and I'll see you very soon. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.